person that you're standing next to, if you would uh, grab the person's hand that you're standing next to, please. Today, Lord, we are in this place, and we are saying that we want to be one, united in Christ. And we know that oneness comes because we have a personal relationship with you. Not simply because people are family, but as the body of Christ, we can be one because we have one Lord. There's one Savior. There's one baptism. And today we thank you that we can even be closer than even blood relatives. We honor you today for being the Savior, the King of glory. And we pray that everyone in this place, Lord, will make Christ their Lord and their Savior. Anoint today, bless the word, anoint the vessel, anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church at this time. We do love you. We give you the glory. We give you all the praise for being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. On Thursday for Murdus' funeral, the, the viewing of the body will be from 11 to 1. Uh, they will have the viewing right after, but 11 to 1 will be the viewing as well. This Wednesday we will be at Village for the joint Bible study. We're reading the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra. So how many of you knew that there was a book in the Bible called Ezra? How many thought, did not know there was a book in the Bible called Ezra? There's a book called Ezra. Brother Larry and Florence and I have been reading that over the last, uh, like a chapter or so a day and for, a couple, for about a week and a half or so during the Bible study. I'm going to go back in Acts and go backwards today from where we were before. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. And again, for those that are here for the first time, again, we want to thank you. Ethan, it's again good to have you in our presence, and thank you for coming. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Thank you, ushers. I don't see Sister Gloria, Sister Lene is already, she's probably teaching, but I have a water that hasn't been opened. I'm, thank you. There you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> In fact, I have two. I can choose. <laughs> Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. He came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they traveled from town to town. They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit, excuse me, 
from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now note, note, not the continent of Asia, but the province of Asia. When they came to the board of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I'm going to stop there. I had planned initially last night when I was studying to go on to verse 15, but I'm going to stop there. Um, as a title, I've given the sermon, The Start of Another Journey. There's a song that goes, it's another day's journey. And that song, and I'm so, so glad about it. I didn't have that in mind when I was preparing this, so it just came to mind, though. <laughs> it's another day's journey. The start of another journey. Paul now begins what is called his second missionary journey. Some people are on a journey and they've never come back. Somebody on the journey now, come on back, come on back. Some of y'all 3,000 miles away, come on back, come on back. Some people go on a journey and never come back. Paul now is on his second missionary journey. And if this is his second missionary journey, we must assume and know that there must have been a what? A first journey. And taking the gospel, which means the good news, to the areas that he and Barnabas had visited before. He's taken the word of God to this journey, and he's going to be visiting even additional places that he had not visited before. Michael, good to see you in the back again there. Mr. Stripling, good to see you. Now, Paul and Barnabas, has, they've had a major dispute. Just to, again, refresh your memory. They've had a major dispute when Paul suggested that let's go back and let's visit once again the places that we first visited and the people that we visited and the saints that we that that came to the Lord. Let's go back and see how they're doing. Barnabas said, "Great, let's go and let's take John Mark with us." Paul says, "Hold it. No, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't want John Mark going because John Mark left us on the first missionary journey. So I don't think it's a good idea." Barnabas said, "But Paul." I think this would be a wonderful idea and a wonderful privilege for him to redeem himself. Let's take him. Paul says, no, I don't think he should go. Barnabas says, well, if he ain't going, I ain't going. Paul says, I ain't taking you anyway. <laughs> he ain't going. Not with me anyway. 
Where's your forgiveness? My forgiveness, Paul says, is intact. It's fine. He just ain't going. And the Bible says they parted company. Think about this. Two pillars of a church can't agree, and they're going to do the Lord's work. Barnabas took John Mark, and Paul took Silas. Now, Silas was one of the ones that came down from Jerusalem when the, the, in the Acts, in the book of Acts, chapter 15, when there had been a dispute in Antioch about how people are saved. It was said that you could only be saved if you were outside of the Jewish race and the nation. You had to be circumcised. Circumcision and obeying the Mosaic law, it was a requirement for being saved. And Paul got into a dispute along with Barnabas with them that came down from Jerusalem and said, that's not the case. It is by faith that we are saved. And so with this dispute, as you remember, they went up to Jerusalem and that was the first council to, to settle the issue of what's the requirement in order for a person to be saved. It is the grace of God. Remember this. Our faith leads us to the Lord and it is the grace of God that saves. The blood of Christ saves, but grace, God's grace, brings us to Christ and Christ. Blood saves. When the decision had been made that there were, a, there were four primary things that we just want the Greeks to not participate in, that will suffice. But we want you to know that it's the blood of Jesus and we don't want you to be worried about any other thing about how one is to be saved. When the decision came and came back to Antioch, it was Silas along with Judas, I believe it was, and some of the other brothers went with Paul to deliver the message. Now that message became one of the focal points of Paul's missionary journeys because they took that decision from the church and began to spread that around. Now I want, to, I want you to note something as we have read chapter 16 and go back and look at it. It is this decision that the church now has that becomes one of the key things that Paul begins to preach to the nation of the Greeks or to the people that are Gentiles. Now, as we read chapter 1 of chapter 16, or verse 1 of chapter 16, it says that he came to Derby, then to Lystra. Now, when we saw those before, their order was reversed, but it's now how they are coming back to these places. Now, it was in Lystra that they came and they were told about a disciple named Timothy. If you're writing the points down, the first point, there are two primary points we're going to make today. The first point is how the selection was made to choose Timothy. How the selection was made to choose Timothy. First, we see that Paul came to the area of Lystra, where it says a disciple lived. Now, you need to get that word disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is who? Is a, a learner. 
A disciple is, as my dad used to say, a person who learns from his master to be as his master doing what his master does. A disciple, the, 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 the disciples were a group of people. So if I was to say disciple, your, name, your, your mind automatically goes to Jesus as disciple. But I want you to know this. You are a disciple for the Lord if you know the Lord and if you're doing what he says. Amen. Some of you are disciples missing in action, MIA. <laughs> Some of y'all are undercover disciples. Under the cover when you should be at church. (laughs) (laughs) Disciples, their primary job is to multiply. Bringing others to the faith. One of the words for disciples really means to multiply. It comes from the Greek word mathematicus. Which means to multiply. Your task and job is to multiply. When it says that they found a disciple, we must understand now that somehow Timothy must have been introduced or his mom to the faith. And it is believed that she must have been introduced on Paul's first missionary journey. So a disciple. So just don't skip over that word when it says a disciple. That's important. Because he's called a disciple, Timothy's mother, Eunice, Eunice, he had a grandmother named Lois as well. They must have been present when Paul and Barnabas initially came through town. And they responded to the message that they delivered. Now, it mentioned, the mentioning of Timothy's father as a Greek raises a couple of questions. For me, anyway. Since scripture mentions that his mother was Jewish Jewish, and a believer, it means that she had been introduced to the gospel and she believed. You cannot be a believer if you don't accept the word of God. I don't care how creative you may be. You can't be saved unless... The word of God is preached. You see, it is the Lord who draws people to himself. You see, that's one of the things that bothers me today. When I when I look at people says, why don't you come? I'm going to come one day. It is the spirit of the Lord that woos and draws people to himself. You don't just decide I'm going to come when I get ready. It's God that draws you. Somehow thinking that we're making our own decision regarding salvation. God provided the salvation. He provided the blood. He draws you when he decides to draw you. And then you decide, I might come one day. The Bible says, don't harden your heart. The day you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. So she's introduced. However, there's nothing that is mentioned about his father having been converted. In fact, it mentions that his father was Greek. It says his mother, who was a believer, note that, ah, 
his father, who was Greek, those that knew him. Now, 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 now get this. The covenant, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but the covenant that God established with Abraham was one of circumcision. Back in Genesis chapter 17. It was a covenant whereby the Lord told Abraham that he was going to bless him and his seed. And it was the covenant of circumcision that God gave the Jewish nation in the Old Testament. Everybody that was, that was, that was a male child, male Jewish child, was to be circumcised. As showing that we belong to God and we have a covenant with the King of Glory. This became an issue and an, a, a, a turning point in the New Testament because in the Old Testament it did signify that these people that were the, of the Jewish nation were called by God and, and selected by Him. And it was the covenant of circumcision that separated them above anybody else. And so when we get to Timothy, it makes mention that his mother who was Jewish but his father was Greek. Doesn't show that he was saved. Doesn't show that he had been circumcised. In fact, he had not been. Why was Timothy chosen? Timothy was chosen because he had a good name. Don't miss it. Timothy was chosen because he had a good name. I ain't talking about he had a name like Elliot Hoover, Elliot Jones. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Amen. I ain't talking about he had a name like, like, like Mr. Claude Phillips. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that he had a name like Larry Beauchamp. Nor that he had a next name like Tamiko or Tanika. No. He had a name because of how he lived. You know, this thing's bugging me. You got a name too. Whether you know it or not, people are calling you some names out there in the street. Ooh. <laughs> Some of y'all know what people are calling y'all too. And it ain't the name that your daddy and mama gave you at birth. How good is your name? You see, Timothy was known by his name. He had a good name because of how he lived. It was the brothers, it was the believers that say, oh, Paul, you, you need to take note of that young man named Timothy. Now, I need, you, I need you to get this here. You see, Paul would have been very leery now, having just had a major fight with Barnabas. 
And now there's a person introduced to him that says, man, you should take this brother along with you. He's a fine young man. I imagine that Paul put him through the ring or through an interview. Asked him some questions. And I can imagine that part of Paul's questioning of Timothy surrounded how he would handle some of the pressure that Paul knew was going to come in this journey. Some of us don't realize that we are on a tedious journey. And as we walk this pathway, it is, it is fought with dangers and problems. And we get all so frustrated and flustered when we run into difficulties in life. But that's the path of this life. But we tend to forget that God has tempered. Tempered for his children how much they go through. Now, I know I've been saying this. I've been saying it over and over again. But we go through things because God has a plan for our life. And i got to imagine that as Paul is going through this, he has some questions for Timothy. And i got to imagine that he was saying, Timothy, I had a young man that quit when we were on the journey. i got to make sure that you're not going to quit. I hear the man talking about you. But Timothy, this is going to be a tough road that we're going to be going down. The enemy is going to be busy. He's going to be trying to kill us. He, he, he has a plan to get rid of us. He is fighting against the gospel. We're going to more than likely end up in jail. We might even be beaten. Are you ready to go and walk with us? Timothy had to pass the test or Paul would not have taken him. Some of us are going through tests right now. And we don't seem to understand that God is allowing things into our lives in order to help us to trust him more. And rather than trusting him more, honoring him more, living for him more, we're saying, God, get this off of me. I don't want any duck, any chicken, any bird before it gets in the, in the oven said, I don't want to go in there. I don't want any cow saying moo when it's time to get into the oven. I don't want it talking back to me. I want it to be nice and done. I went to a restaurant last week. Took my wife to on her to her on her birthday. Turned fifty. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, she getting old. <laughs> but they asked me and asked her, "How do you want your meat cooked?" Now I always used to say, "Well done." That has always been my thing, uh, medium well, based on what I was having. But it had to go through the heat. It had to go through the process in order for me to be able to enjoy it. It had to be cooked. It had to be done. God takes us through things, and before we even enter, we are trying to jump out of the problem or whatever it is that God has prepared for us. You got to see this. 
Remember this. I recall going to Playland over in San Francisco. Some of y'all don't remember Playland. Y'all too. It was a big lady. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. But they had a scary house. And in that scary house, you would get in this little train, and it would take you through. And all kind of stuff would be jumping out. I, my parents would not let me go in there initially when I was too young. I wanted to go, even though I was scared to death. No, no, no. Why? Because they said, you're going to be having nightmares. But the time that I got able to go, I was going through. I didn't have my... <laughs> going through, but I, when I got a chance to go, I was so happy. But you know what? I was happy when I got to the other side. In fact, I was more happy to get to the other side. And you know what? I thank God it didn't stop and say, when in the middle of it, please get out and exit here, please. Inside that place, oh no. Thank God it didn't have any power failures. I was more glad... When we got to the other side, I was nervous going in, but when we got to the other side, I could, <sighs> I was happy. I was brave. I could look back. <laughs> they can't get me now. <laughs> Some of us are jumping out of the boat, of the ship, of the train, of the caboose, whatever it may be. Right in the middle of the problem without going through. We're stuck in the middle of the problem. We've gotten off of the train. We've gotten out of the will of God and said, God, in the midst of the problem, I can handle it. God's job and will is to take us through. Not halfway in and leave us. He said, I will never leave you. And then he says, and I will never forsake you. That's the God that we serve. I've got some friends that's left me stranded. Trying to find, how am I going to now get home? It hasn't happened often. Thank the Lord for the last bus. <laughs> One more bus. That's the bus I need to be on. Your character or who you are is being observed by others. And how you go through speaks volumes about your testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul interviewed this young man. He passed the test. And Paul says, you are fit to go with us. And I got to think of this as Paul, Barnabas, excuse me, Paul and Silas, and Timothy, and then even Luke, who's writing this book, joins. They go on this journey to proclaim the word of God. 
And so Timothy is chosen by his name, for his name, and he's chosen because of others who saw him and recommended, and recommended him. Said this young man is worth taking on the journey. Now Paul says, I need to circumcise you. Oh my goodness, wait a minute. Wasn't there just a letter that was stated? Wasn't the council, didn't they just make a decision in the council at Jerusalem that, that, that circumcision was not necessary for salvation? Yes. There, there, there are some commentators or some that say Paul never should have circumcised him because this is one of the main things that he fought against. Wait a minute. He, does, he circumcised Timothy, but he then doesn't circumcise Titus? What's going on that he circumcises him? And it's interesting to note that Paul, when it came to the matter of salvation, Paul would not circumcise him. If they made that a point that you cannot be saved unless you're circumcised, Paul said that is not the case. But when it came to furthering the gospel, knowing that his father was Greek, Paul then circumcised him and took him on the journey. Not because it was required, but because it will be helpful for the ministry. I think we need to get that because sometimes we equate baptism to having been saved. And one of the first questions we ask is, have you been baptized? That ain't the first question. Are you saved? Now, I don't have time to, to develop one of the points that I want to because it was, my time is, is, is quickly going. But, but I need to, to, to emphasize this. Baptism is done in obedience to what Jesus said, that we are to be baptized. If you are saved and have not been baptized, you are in disobedience to God. Can you be saved? Absolutely. But why wouldn't you want to be in full obedience to the Lord? As if baptism is the sign that one has been converted or changed, and it is a testimony, an identifying with Christ, my goodness, if Christ was baptized, why in the world do we feel that we should not be if we're saved? Now let me just say this point here. I don't even know if I'm going to get to point number two today. In the Old Testament, when the Lord gave circumcision, when a child turned eight days old, they were circumcised. But when God first gave it, even the adult men had to be circumcised. Now listen carefully. When the Lord gave circumcision to Abraham, and he had to be circumcised, in the culture in the first century, let's say, they had to give a confession of faith that they believed prior to circumcision. I believe they're circumcised. The child who yet could not talk was circumcised. When you look at the Bible, it is those that 
came to the Lord, you oftentimes will see, and the household was baptized, or the household was saved. It was the household. The child was included as part of the household of being included under the blood, under grace, under grace. Even before they could say, I have accepted the Lord. It was including them in the Old Testament, in the, in the Old Testament, under what God was doing under the covenant, even though they couldn't speak. In the New Testament, circumcision was a sign of what Christ was going to do and what he actually did. And you will also notice that even in the, in the New Testament, those that were sacrif- those that were, were circumcised, they also had to give an acknowledgement of their belief if they were adults and got circumcised before. Do you believe? Because it was part of the covenant. When Christ came on the scene and died for our sins, his blood, the new covenant, the new covenant replaced the old covenant. The old covenant of circumcision included the family. Oh, you are under. In the New Testament, when the person that got saved and then it shows their family was baptized, the word of God was preached to the family. And they then accepted the Lord. And then they were baptized. Now, I'm not going to get into some of the the issues and some of the controversy, but I want you just to know, the blood in the New Testament, the blood of Jesus, is of a higher order than circumcision in the Old Testament. When, When we think about the blood of Christ and what Christ has done, the blood of Christ washes and cleanses and saves It's enough for the individual. It's enough for the entire family. When a person accepts the Lord as Savior, help us. Let me go back and say this. There's a passage that says that a wife is sanctified or made clean by her believing husband and vice versa. Not in the sense of salvation, but in the sense of being set apart. Not salvation, there's two issues going on. It was when a husband is saved and the wife is not saved, the, the wife is sanctified by the believing husband, but not for the purpose of salvation, but for covering, for being set apart. God acknowledges. But remember this. You cannot be saved nor get to heaven unless you accept the Lord for yourself. You see, when a parent prays for their child, there is a protection that oftentimes God will give for that family because of the praying parent who knows the Lord for their unbelieving child. God will do a work in a family's life because of a believing parent. Or even a believing child who does not even, and their parents don't know, but they're praying. It does not mean that that child does not still have to go through things if they're sinning. 
But you just keep praying. Keep praying. God may get them to their deathbed and save them. But keep praying. Keep praying. Even when it looks like all hell is breaking loose, and it is. Keep praying. Keep praying. It's the blood of Christ that saves. It's the word of God that they've got to hear. Don't give them nothing. It's the word of God that they've got to hear. We think about what Paul's job was and all that he did. I'm not getting to point two. I'll come back next week and do give point two and three as we go on. I ain't getting to point two. <laughs> I'm going to give you my second point, just what it was. It is, I'll come back. It is God's closed doors. God's closed door means that another door is opening. That's going to be the point we're going to pick up with next time. God's closed door means that another door is opening. We'll pick it up next week. But we need to get this as we come to a conclusion for today. When a parent loves the Lord, and I have to imagine and remember and know that it was Timothy's mother and his grandmother that was known for teaching that boy, that young man, when he was a child. He came to full awareness when they came to know Jesus Christ. But they taught him when he was young. And that training helped him. And not only allowed a book in the Bible to First and Second Timothy to be written to him by Paul, but at least four other books, Paul included his name in the salutation yes. when he's even writing to others. Timothy was mentioned. Uh-huh. We sing that prayer, prayer is prayer. Don't forget your family's prayer. I don't care if you don't see things happening. It's prayer that makes a difference. And I can tell you this. It was Timothy's believing mother and grandmother that allowed this young man to be seen by Paul. And even when he began to experience things on the journey, he stayed with it. Some of us need to get this this tenacity that no matter what comes, I'm not going to give up on the Lord. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm not going to quit God when difficulties arise. I'm not going to quit him. I may not understand it all, Lord, but I'm not going to quit you. I'm going to stay right in here until you take me to the other side. Because that's where my deliverance is. So when you turn around and look back, you can go, look where God brought me through. I can look back and see. And then you can be able to help somebody else. This is how I made it. Come on, let me show you what God did for me. Let me show you in the Word where He took me through. Let me show you some of the scriptures God gave me. 
Rather than, oh, I, I don't know why you going through all that. I went through the same thing, and boy, I thought I'd never get out of it. No. God brought me through. I may have thought that, but I, the testimony about what God is doing, we bring this to a conclusion. It was Paul whose mission was to further the gospel. And he took people with him as his support to help him proclaim the word. And no matter what would come, Paul said, I'm going to do what the Lord says do. We're going to pick up next time with God's closed door means that another door is open. I'm going to take just two minutes for questions. Move on, Brother Kenny. Yes, there's a difference between being saved and being sanctified. There should not be a difference between being saved today and being sanctified. Being saved means that you're be, you've been salvaged. And once one becomes saved, one has to remember, this is the primary thing to keep in mind. Salvation means to be rescued from really any serious calamity. Salvation to be saved from any serious calamity. Our serious calamity ultimately without Christ is hell. It's to be rescued from that. When we come to the Lord and we are saved, we are sanctified. We are set apart. When the Bible says be holy, salvation includes all of it. Sanctification, holiness, being set apart for God's exclusive use. When we say exclusive, it's you and God. You and the Lord. Exclusively set apart for the work that God has called us to do. Okay. Any other question before we end? A comment? It's a learner. A disciple primarily is a person that learns. He is a learner. She is a learner. It is a person that follows what the Lord says. And I, I, I went a little bit further and said that it comes from the Greek word. One of the Greek words is mathematicus. When I said that, it means to multiply. In other words, after the description of what a disciple does, they multiply. They bring other souls to the Lord. But a disciple is a learner. Now, there were disciples that Christ had that he taught. And then there were those that he designated that were disciples as apostles. And he gave them that word apostle means, the word actually means sent. That's what the word apostle means, sent. He sent his apostles to do the work. So apostles was designated for those that were the inner group with Jesus. But Jesus had many disciples. They were learners. They were the ones that carried forth the gospel. They were the ones that told people about the Lord. Lord, they learned from what they learned from the Lord, and then they did what they saw Him doing. They are the like, but they come with the apostles come with certain authority. The Lord designated them as apostles because of them. The word again being sent because they were His inner group. Those were the twelve that He took personally and trained them, and the church then was established. On with the with the apostles teaching what the Lord did for them. They were the ones that fanned the flame that fanned the flame and started the fire when the Holy Spirit came. The one twenty, but it was apostles, and He gave them certain authority in Jerusalem and around the world. But they were they were in Jerusalem, and when there were major decisions of the church, it was the apostles they went to, not just any disciple. 
that in a group, apostles, but remember, disciple is a learner. They're the ones that follow. We follow what Christ says to do. Where all the twelve were called apostles. All right. But Jesus had many disciples. I'll give you one farther example. When he sent them out to 70, he sent them out two by two. Sent many disciples out. And they came back reporting how their mission had gone. And the word that the Lord gave them, though, was as they were saying, look what's happening. The kind of party says, the thing that I want you to really be aware of, don't, don't so much focus on the fact that demons are coming out or you have this type of power, but that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Know that your name is in the book of life. If you were doing what the Lord says for you to do, and you were following the Lord and being obedient to his word, we are a disciple. We are disciples if we're following what the Lord says. Disciples of learner, okay? All right. Today, Lord, we thank you for your presence and your goodness. We thank you for allowing us to be here. We pray that you will bless us as we leave this place. We thank you for the word. And in, in, even in the fire, what we go through, may we understand and know that what you take us in, you can take us through victoriously. We are a people that's bound for trouble. But yet, God, the things that you bring into our lives are for, is for our good. And the troubles that we have and the difficulties, uh, Lord, may it bring glory to your name. But we are praying today that we won't bring unnecessary trouble on ourselves, but we will allow you to do the work and create um, the very thing that you want to do. We love you today. Bless us as we leave this place. And we're praising you for being the Savior, the Lord, the King of glory of our lives. And for those that don't know you, God, we're praying that you will stir them. In their spirit, we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.